you know, the online world is so great for so many things. You know, it's great for making you laugh. It's great for entertainment. And every now and again, you come across ideas or people that literally blow your mind. But I still think that some of our best thinking happens offline. So join me, Vanessa, on Offline Thoughts as I go through some of the things that I think about when I'm not online. So in today's episode, I'd like to talk about my first experience being in the United States. And I know it might be confusing to people because people tell me all the time that I have an American accent. And, you know, I'll admit that I probably do. Okay, definitely do. Um, But that's just because that's the way I learned English. So if you learn English, you're at an American school or at an international school, you're going to probably sound American. But I hadn't actually been there until last week when I flew to... What's it called? I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Dulles. Anyway, it's like the airport outside Washington. It's like an hour outside Washington. And I found myself here because I'm just here for like two weeks of trainings. I think I mentioned my last episode that I started a new job. And being in the U.S. and sort of having gone to a very, very liberal university called SOAS. I don't know if you guys know that university. It stands for the School of Oriental and African Studies. And if you know about that school, you know that it's very critical of U.S. hegemony and U.S. power of relations in general. So when I came to the U.S., I must admit that I didn't have the best anticipation of what I would come across, shall we say. And I think that's what you forget when you are like of the liberal persuasion. I think you think that you yourself are free from prejudice. So everybody else out there has negative feelings about groups of people, shall we say, but you are kind of absolved from that. But obviously that's not true. Like everybody has biases. And for me with the US, I definitely have a particular set of biases just because of the university I went to and also just my background in general. And so when I was told I was going to be coming to the U.S., I, you know, I was really confronted with some of those things. Now, some of the things are deep and I'm not I'm not going to cover it in this episode because it's it's just a bit much. But the other things are just like everyday things that we all come across more online. So when you log in and you're like on TikTok or you're on Twitter or wherever you are, you obviously have an impression of what the United States as a country is. So you've got a perception about what the people are like, what the food is like, what like the culture is like. And sometimes, depending on the kinds of things that you watch, because obviously, as I talked about, the algorithm kind kind of shows you similar things. It kind of shows you the things that you already believe, is what I was talking about in my um, Escaping the Algorithm part, um, episode. So for me, I had a particular set of things that I was expecting to see. One, I thought it was going to be like semi-hostile. Like I know Americans are super chirpy and chipper, but I thought that beneath that surface, I would, se- I would feel uncomfortable or there would be some hostility or just like straight up like racism i thought i'd get off the plane and i would just be like whoa like you can just tell that people were enslaved here at one point in one point in the past or i thought i'd go to restaurants and people would like give me the evils or even outside sort of expecting racism just to be like everywhere and be tripping over it I I thought also just like the people would look a particular way. I thought the food would be a particular way. I thought the culture would be a particular way. And I have to say, like, it's, it's literally blown my mind. Like, it's blown my mind by how similar it is to the UK because that's where I live. And that's what I'd like to talk about in this episode. I've tried to sort of gather my thoughts and break down exactly what I thought and and what I expected and the things that matched and the things that actually didn't align in the end. 
Okay, so I'll start off with the things that are very similar or they're about the same level as I'm used to in the UK. The first thing is like trivial, but it's true. Like the junk food is basically the same. Like it's the same level of good or not good, depending on like the food that you get. So, you know, I got a few vegan burgers. I like to try burgers, vegan burgers everywhere I go. And the ones that I've had, I probably had so far like four burgers, which is terrible, but I do love vegan burgers. And they're pretty much the same level. Like I had a couple a couple that I ordered locally from Uber Eats. Then I tried TGI Fridays, which actually was really succulent. And then I tried another one when we were out for lunch one day. And honestly, like it was the same level of good. And I think that's because like fat, salt, and sugar are pretty universal. So it doesn't really matter where you go. Like the food, when you have those core ingredients, because that's basically what junk food is, it's going to basically taste the same. The only thing I would notice is that everything is a little bit extra sweet though, even within the con that within that context. So when you have like, when you order a salad, for example, like you'll notice that the vinaigrette is like sweet. Or when I was having the cereal at breakfast, like it's super, super sweet. Or... Or when I, I ordered, like, one of the burgers I got was, like, a barbecue, had a barbecue sauce on it, and the barbecue sauce was, like, super, super sweet. So I would say the food, the junk food, is, like, very similar. I would just say that it's probably just, like, a tiny bit more sweet. Or actually, no, I would say it's probably, like, 30% more sweet. And also, like, I, I went to TGI Fridays yesterday with a couple of colleagues for lunch, and the Fanta is so different here. Like, it's the same. Like, if you had African Fanta, like, you'll recognize the color. The color is, like, a Mandarin color. It's, like, this not orangey-orange. It's, like, orange. It's like almost like a translucent kind of reddish type orange kind of color and that's the one I've had when I've been in African countries and it's always phenomenal because what they do over there in, in many African countries is they actually use sh uh, cane sugar as opposed to like like regular table sugar and so when you're tasting it it's like the right level of sweet it's not too sweet and it just has like an extra depth and flavor so initially when I saw the color I thought oh that's that's wild they've got like African Fanta here but when I tasted it, I tell you, like, I was so disappointed. Like, it tastes nothing like African Fanta because it's not even that it's too sweet because honestly, I didn't think it was that sweet. It just had a very artificial flavor and it didn't have, like, the fruitiness of, like, European Fanta that's, like, a, an actually bright orange, like, orange juice color. And it also didn't have, like, the sweet depth of cane sugared um, African Fanta. So, yeah, it was disappointing all around. Even like when on one of the nights we went out for drinks and we swung by McDonald's afterwards and obviously like nothing slaps better than going to McDonald's after a night of drinking and getting yourself like chips, you know, fries for Americans and like Fanta and I love typically like I typically love McDonald's Fanta but yeah it did not it did not hit at all like I probably had like two sips and threw it away. Another thing that's very similar is business culture. So the business culture I found is very the same. So when you meet people for the first time, and even when like I've been interacting with people I've known now for like over a week, and I would say it has the same feeling of British business culture where it's very polite, it's very muted, and it's very conservative. So it's not... It's not that it's lacking in warmth, it's not that it's not warm, because it is friendly and warm, it's just friendly and warm at a distance, you know, like you're not necessarily going to ask very personal questions about people's like married lives, or you might ask them if they have children, if you're, ha if you're having like lunch or drinks after work, but you're not going to ask like, you're not going to have like really deeply political conversations, for example. You're not going to talk about your religious affiliations for the most part. You're not going to talk about basically the things that are that define you or that are 
that I guess that have the potential for conflict in any way. So it's very polite, very muted, very conservative, which personally I'm, I'm a fan of. Another similarity is that you know, true connections just happen outside the formal business setting. So it's not that you're going to know somebody particularly well just by working side by side with them, even when you're doing like team icebreakers and things like that. Like it's really when you're socializing outside the official official dynamic, like whether it's an office or training center in this case, which is actually an office as well. It's only when you have drinks or lunch or dinner that you really get to know somebody, you know, you get to, you know, they let their hair down, they're a bit more vulnerable with you, and you can actually ask questions of them that you wouldn't ask or you'd be worried to ask in a professional, in a purely professional setting. So I always, you know, I'm naturally an an introverted person who can perform extroversion when necessary. So my default really is after work, I like to go home. I like to go home and hang out with my partner, hang out with my cats. But honestly, when you're trying to sort of like get to know your new colleagues well, you you do have to do the socializing part. Because if you only do the office part, only do the official official like business setting part, you're not really going to get to know them. And also there's a potential that you're going to be excluded from like the more meaningful connections because you're not participating in those components of getting to know somebody. So I found that just very, very similar. And connected to that, I found alcohol culture to be very similar. So I always feel like in British culture, like, and I would say probably, it's probably just Western culture, make that a bit more broader, is that alcohol kind of plays like a very central part in people's socialization, like, or not socialization, rather socializing. So when you go out with friends, um, typically you go for drinks, but it's also true when you go out with work colleagues, like typically you go for drinks. And so I do feel like somebody who doesn't drink finds it a little bit difficult so for example there's somebody at dinner who didn't drink and I he said he doesn't drink much but actually I suspect he just doesn't drink and he didn't want to be not ostracized because people aren't going to ostracize but I, I I think he didn't want it to be a big deal so he just said he wasn't drinking that particular night and what I noticed throughout the evening is that there was kind of a lot of pressure on him to drink like like three of our colleagues asked him individually at one point or another if he was going to drink or if he was sure he didn't want to have a drink. There was one particular person who was like very much the life of the party. And I think he found it odd that he wasn't drinking, but either way, he just kept peer pressuring. I felt like it was peer pressuring. He kept just asking the guy, he must have asked that guy like five times if he wanted to drink. And because I had done dry January, I was kind of hyper aware of the of the not drinking around people who are drinking dynamics. And I thought there was a bit of peer pressure going on. And I felt that if you aren't drinking, you kind of make yourself stand out as like an odd person, even though it's perfectly respectable and actually better not to drink because obviously you're being fully yourself and you're not saying things or doing things under the influence of alcohol. So I found it funny that even in business settings or even in sort of work settings, that alcohol still plays that key socializing like element or lubricator but also just like the peer pressure that's connected even within a work setting because often we tell young people that they shouldn't feel pressure to like do things they don't want to do and of course they they shouldn't feel that way but the reality is that they do kind of feel pressure to do certain things and i know i've read lots of content about how alcohol plays a more a reduced role in young people's lives but I don't know to what extent that's true in in British culture for example because drinking very much is sort of like a, a rites of passage thing that people do 
And it must be so strange to be an adult person at an adult function with work colleagues, kind of getting peer pressured the way that teenagers peer pressure each other around alcohol. I thought that was noteworthy and sort of like, I hadn't personally experienced it, but I definitely was aware that people do experience that in work functions. And to some extent, I guess I thought it might be different because I know the U.S., I or I expected Americans to not drink as much just because they drive everywhere. So it's not convenient to drink because their public transport just isn't as good. And then also because you're driving, then obviously you're not going to drink a lot. Um, so... I realized actually that what people do is that they just get an Uber. So they won't drive that day. They'll just, you know, cost in an Uber ride there and back as part of like their going out, their going out budget. Another thing that I noticed was very similar was just the architecture. So I'm the place that I'm, I'm at right now is like an hour outside Washington. It's in this place. I forget what the town is actually called. And it's so when you're when we got the cab into Washington, I was just so surprised. So even just looking at the White House, the White House one is like not as impressive when you see it up close. Like it's actually quite small, and it's not that it's a small place. It's a small place when you consider that it's like the seat of power of like the United States. I know it's not the actual seat of power. I know that's like the Supreme Court and it's like other places, but and Congress. But it's as a as a representation of the seat of power. It doesn't feel that impressive, you know. It's only impressive in the context of like there's loads of people there, and you can tell the security is really like subtle, but it's there. Like there's cameras that I noticed were built into the wall that were like facing multiple directions. We were convinced that we could see like snipers at the top of the of the of the of the roof of the house but in general you know it looked very much like a house you'd come across if you were going down i don't know if you know london well but like there's this place called eaton place and it's a really really fancy neighborhood like it's probably has like some of the most expensive residential real estate that you can find in the uk and basically the homes there look very similar to the white house like maybe a little bit smaller because it's you know, it's fewer people living in those homes. But in terms of the architecture style, the feel of them, the white, the pillars, just the structure, the gardens, the manicuring of the gardens, it's so, so similar, you know? Like, I really felt like I could be walking down that street. And it's not just the White House itself, but even the surrounding buildings really reminded me of what homes look like in Mayfair or what buildings look like in Mayfair. So when you're, it's the first time I, it kind of connected in a visual sense that it was is a British colony basically like it's it's like British ways of living and structure and building transplanted basically into you know the United States now things that were very different I mean I'm not saying very different because honestly my my general experience was that things were really not that different and maybe that's because I'm going from London to to another big place, Washington. Not as big, obviously Washington's bigger. But maybe it's because I'm going from a big city to a big city and that's why it didn't feel that different. But the things that I noticed were different was, one, the portion sizes are huge. And I was kind of pleased to see that because I was like, okay, finally, it's one thing that actually aligns with my imagination or what I'd seen online. So the first experience I had of this was we went to this place called... Uh, sense of Thai. It's this Thai restaurant near where I'm staying. And I order like this, they had a few vegan options. They had like this tofu dish, this, this it was called tofu wings. Really, it was just like sliced tofu with like this sweet and sour sauce on top. And then for my main, I had like this rice bowl with like uh, loads of veggies with like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, green beans, mushrooms, tofu, and was basically like uh, stir fried on a wok. So it was delicious. 
but the portions were probably like three times the portions you'd get in the UK. It felt like somebody had served me like a big pot of food just for myself, like a, a, a pot of food that should have served like a family of four. So that was my first experience where I was like, wow, like the, the portions are big. And then later on, my friend got a cocktail and the shots were humongous. So I couldn't tell exactly what the measurements were like at the time because I didn't have a measurer, but it looked easily like double the portions that you would expect for a single shot in the UK. And then later on when I went home and I looked it up, it is true. So in the UK, the standard serving for a spirit in a pub is 25 milliliters. And in the UK, it's about 44, 45 milliliters, which basically is like almost double. So the food portions were huge. The alcohol portions were also really, really generous. Another thing that's different here is the public transport and different in being different and like not as good. So the public transport is super lacking. So in London, I'm just used to just having great transport links. So obviously you have like the underground or the tube, you've got the, the light rail, which is like a light train that goes above ground. We have the overground, which is like the orange line. We have the national rail, which is basically like trains that go like further distance and not just like within and around London. And then also the buses are just like really, really good. Like you can get buses that are 24 hours a day. You get buses that like come like every five minutes, every 10 minutes. And even just the tube itself covers like such like great distances. And it comes like every two to three minutes, depending on where you are. So the London transport and just doesn't get its flowers and the US in comparison I was shocked like we're so initially on our first day we wanted to do all the touristy stuff like see the Lincoln Memorial wanted to see the White House wanted to see the Washington uh, monument just like the touristy things that everybody does when they're in Washington and we looked up what their journey was if we were to leave at like 9 a.m on a Sunday and it basically would have taken us like two hours, over two hours together, like two hours and 20 minutes or so, which is outrageous because in the car, it's only 45 minutes. So that told me straight away that one, and I thought maybe like it might be because it's a Sunday, but I, I put in the same journey on a Tuesday and it was still the same distance. So it's not the journey, it's just that the public transport is like not that well connected. And also there's like really large gaps in between services. So instead of a bus coming like, you know, every 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 five minutes shall we say and also there being like multiple bus stops like within walking distance of each other it's like the time lapse between each bus service is like really long and on top of that the distance between buses are very very long as well so like if you miss one bus it's not like you can run to the next stop for example as you can in like many places in london and obviously that puts it in proper context. Like whenever I used to see people in the US that they always drive, they drive everywhere. I always wondered why that is because like public transport is just one cheaper and two, it's it's more convenient because you don't have to park. You don't have to pay for parking. You don't have to worry about parking. You can drink and go out. You know, you can basically be a lot freer without your car. So obviously they're not being very good transport links. And also the fact that this is a very rich town or rich like county, and they still don't have good transport links, that makes me think that in poorer places, the transport links must be even worse. Although maybe they might say that poorer places maybe can't afford cars as much, so maybe their transport links are better, but somehow I feel like it's probably just transport links aren't as good here. Um, another thing I noticed was the shop assistants. So my sister told me and other people told me I have to go to Trader Joe's. So I went to Trader Joe's, and I picked up all my bits and I was just fascinated like how the food looks so different. Like all the brands are very, very different. Like I don't think I saw like, 
I don't think I saw a single brand that I recognized, honestly. And I don't know if it's because Trader Joe's is the equivalent of like Marks and Spencers. And if anybody has been to the UK and they've gone to Marks and Spencers, they would know that Marks and Spencers basically only provides like their own store items. They won't have like a jam by another brand. They'll have like Marks and Spencers jam. They'll have Marks and Spencers butter. They'll have everything Marks and Spencers. So I don't know if Trader Joe's is sort of that equivalent where it's everything's Trader Joe's. And Marks and Spencers is obviously very nice. And from what I could tell, like Trader Joe's had really, really nice fancy stuff as well. So... I still have to work out where, they're, where, they, where they place in terms of similarities. But I will say the thing that shocked me the most was when you go to like pay for your stuff, and you, like in the UK, obviously, like you take your trolley, you take your basket, you go to the queue to pay, and then you put your stuff on the, on like the, the what you call that? It's like a treadmill thing. I forget what it's called. But you put your items down basically, and they scan them, and then you pack your stuff up yourself. And then if you've brought like, uh, reusable bags you use those but if not you buy like you know five pence bags or ten pence bags whatever it is although actually the prices for bags have, are out of control right now i think last time i went to shops i paid like 30 pence for like a bag so anyway when i went to trader joe's they pack up your stuff so you put your stuff on like the on like on the thing that i can't remember what it's called and they scan the items but then one person is scanning and the other person is packing up your stuff like i thought it was such great service and it's one much more convenient and also just much a much more pleasant experience because you're not like desperately trying to pay while you're also trying to desperately pack while like the shop assistant just looks at you like waiting for you to get done so they could serve the next person so i really really love that experience and I hope it's not just like a Trader Joe's thing because I haven't been to any other supermarkets. I hope it's like a, I hope it's like an America wide thing. Now, the final thing that I noticed that is different and I would say different and bad is the tipping culture is out of control. So the, so I already knew that I had to tip and obviously even in my regular life, I tip. It's just that you don't tip for absolutely everything. So if you go to like Nando's and anybody who's been to Nando's in the UK or I know they've got branches everywhere you know that it's a self-service place. So you go, you like punch in your order at like the till and then they bring your food to you, but then that's the end of the interaction with the customer service. So obviously you're not gonna pay for service you didn't receive. Or same when you go to like junk food places, usually you don't tip because it's not, it's usually set self-service. But when you go to like a regular restaurant, then yeah, of course you're going to tip because the person is looking after you all evening. You know, they're coming in, they're serving your starters, they're clearing your starters, they're clearing the table of crumbs, they're bringing your mains, or clearing you're checking on you that you enjoy your ma- your mains they're clearing the plate they're clearing the table they're bringing you extra knives they're bringing you extra condiments and then they you know you know the whole thing the whole time they're servicing you but obviously that's not what happens in every circumstance so when you go to a bar for example the reason you don't tip at a bar usually in the uk is because the person just pours your drink and that's it there's no service with like Somebody bringing your food from the kitchen to the table is not service as far as I'm concerned. That's just a function of I need to eat and I've paid for my food and somebody has to bring my food. The service is the attention they give you after that point. And same with drinks. The drinks is not, the the tip doesn't come from the person has poured you a drink. The tip comes from, oh, they, they just remember that's your drink that you had last time. And they say, oh, can I get you and insert the drink you had? That's like an going above and beyond their role to, 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 give, to make you feel more comfortable and make you feel like you're being looked after. Or for example, like you spill your drink, they just make you a new one or they wipe any, any wetness around like your table or you know what I mean? Like some level of service. 
So color me surprised when we go to a bar and I find out that with every drink that you buy, you, you're expected to basically tip. So let's say you buy like a glass of wine for $15, you basically have to tip like 20% on the $15 or whatever it is on the, on the dollar, like every individual drink. So I got like three drinks and each time, you know, you'd scan your card and then they print out this little receipt and then it has the balance that you owe for the drink. And then below that it has a line for the tip. And then below that it has a line for the, for the total, including the tip. And then below that it has a line for the signature. And that's literally for every drink. So I ended up asking one of my colleagues like what the expectation is. Because they kept printing out these receipts. And I kept tipping because I felt like that's what you're supposed to do. And honestly, I kind of felt proud of myself because I was feeling particularly generous. I, I would give them 10% each time. Little did I know that actually the 10% is very low. So he said to me, basically like 10%, if you tip somebody 10%, then they basically feel like you're being passive aggressive because it's like, yeah, you're tipping, but it's like a low tip. So you're kind of trying to say that the service is okay, but not that great. If you tip like 5%, basically he said, be prepared for people to fight you. Like it's basically confrontational confrontational numbers because 5% is seen as like really, really low to the point where it's insulting and they've done something wrong. Bear in mind, this is this is like money you're giving out of the goodness of your heart that they're not entitled to, but still they feel that level of entitlement to fight you over 5%. And basically he said like the, like the acceptable level is 20%. So if you give 20%, it's saying, you did a good job, thank you for the service, and I'll come again. And to me, like, that that seemed wild to me because even in the UK, they introduced this thing a few years ago that was basically, like, the service charge to just add, like, to your bill full stop. Like, let's say you go to dinner, and it's not everywhere. It's usually, like, fancier or middle-range restaurants that do this. Like, you're not going to get this in Nando's, basically. And they just add that on a service charge. But the key word here is discretionary. So they say there's, a, there's been an 11.5% discretionary service fee added to your bill. And if you're not happy with the service, you can ask for it to be taken off. But obviously, in practice, most people are not confrontational. Most people feel uncomfortable asking for it to come off. So for the most part, people don't take it off unless something bad has really happened. So and that is kind of generally seen as like not like a super high high number but like high enough where you will be annoyed if you don't get and if you get anything less than like good service you'll be like yeah you're taking that 11.5 percent off so when he told me like 20 percent is like is like the base level of like how you communicate to somebody like oh that was good service thank you for looking after me i thought that was wild i thought like that was out of control like for me just one it's discretionary there shouldn't be an implication that if you don't tip the person is going to throw you attitude or make you feel unwelcome or there's going to be hostility because again this is discretionary extra money you're giving them out of the goodness of your heart it's not like you're their employer and you're and you're paying them for their job it's not like they're a charity and you're donating to them out of your goodness the goodness of your heart you're not you're it's like somebody at work and you know, they did a nice job looking after you, so you're giving them a little bit of extra money. So to me, the 20%, I thought that was wild. To be honest, it's not so much a 20%. It's more that it's always expected that that's what you're going to give because it's not an insignificant percentage of the total cost. That's basically a fifth of everything you pay for you add on top. That's basically tax. VAT is 20% in the UK. That's basically an extra tax. So when you look at it, it's like you're paying 40% on top of everything that you're paying, which I think is it's it's way out there especially because with a bar situation they literally just pour your drink slide your glass over to you and that's it like i don't know why 
that you know maybe this is just me having grown up in England and or or lived in England for a long time but I think that's pretty unreasonable and because I'm sounding like a grumpy old grandpa anyway I might as well roll into this next point and that's a point around the Hilton Hotel and for me see I never know if the Hilton has like a core central brand that is the Hilton and then it has like all these other add-ons like like Hamptons by Hilton or True by Hilton and then they're kind of like affiliated brands but they're not actually Hilton but I'm going to assume it is like a true Hilton brand because I can only assume they can't just use their name unless there's like a, a relationship there and like it is their brand or it's like an affiliated brand but either way like it's trash. Like, I've stayed in so many Hiltons, and the expectation, and I don't know if it's because we've known Paris Hilton, and so we think of Paris Hilton as a rich person, and therefore we think of the Hiltons and the Hilton family and the Hilton brand as like a fancy brand because she's rich and her family's rich, therefore we just think that it's a good brand. But honestly, it is so overrated. Like, whenever I stay at the Hilton, I'm always disappointed. I've stayed in Hilton in Brighton, I've stayed in Hilton in London, I've stayed in Hilton in france i've stayed in many many hiltons all over like over my life and honestly i've never walked away thinking wow well that was a nice experience or wow like that wowed me or that blew me away or that was better than i expected it's always worse than i expected and the expectation i have is already always low so with this particular one it's set in like a business like area i guess you could say in in like a in like not residential in a sort of like how did this industrial it feels very industrial because there's industrial type feel to the place and the hotel itself is like you know when i look outside my window i just see a car park and i think that's true for at least three sides of this building so there's nothing to look at inside the hotel itself it has such like what like really loud colors like really garish loud colors like like bright bright childish yellows bright childish blues bright childish reds just like really garish loud colors which drive me crazy because ultimately like hotels are for adults you know unless it's like a a, like a, a like one of those water park hotels or a hotel that's in a zoo or a hotel that specifically like brands itself as a child friendly child focused hotel there's no reason for these for these garish colors like most people most adult people don't like these colors so that's the first thing that struck me like i walked in i felt like i needed to put on sunglasses because it was so loud and what the effect of the of the loudness of the colors has is that it just creates a cheap feeling for me i i i think of hostels when i think of really garish loud colors it's like they're so loud because they're trying to make it fun because because they can't have quality or luxury or comfort they're trying to basically sell you on fun like hey you know you might be staying in a room with 25 people but it's going to be so fun look at all these bright colors look at this pool table look at this bar look at this out you know what i mean they're trying to create that so when i walked into this hilton that's kind of like the, the feeling that i had i felt like they're trying to distract me with the loud colors from the fact that the facilities probably aren't that good and I've, you know, I've been here a week so far and I can confirm the facilities are not good. So not only is the room so, you know, work, you know, kindly and I appreciate it, booked us into like the best room the hotel has. But the best room, unfortunately, is still not a very nice room. One, like I said, the room is super loud. There's no bathtub. There's no frills, you know, like the soap and the shampoo and like the like 
the moisturizer and all that stuff comes in like these industrial sized tubes that you basically squeeze and it's not like those pretty little bottles that you get excited about when you go to a nice hotel that you're gonna like rinse and get excited because they're going to re like replenish them the next day when they clean your room it's not like that you know there's no bathtub there's no nice frills the duvets it's themselves it's not a duvet it's like an extra sheet basically so you have to turn on the heating the whole time although i will say the heating is super super good like the heating really warms up the, the room very well but it just feels like a cold room without much frills and you know like it is a comfortable bed but i feel like that's bottom like all beds in hotels should be comfortable so i don't think you should get a point just because the bed is comfortable so i will say you know it's met my expectations and those expectations were really really low so it's just been disappointing all throughout and also i think like the nail in the coffin so initially when i walked into the hotel i was like ugh, this is loud when i went to the bedroom i was like ugh, this is loud but one thing i love is i love a hotel breakfast you know i get i was staying in norway in norway in the radisson blue like a couple of weeks ago and they had just a phenomenal breakfast you know i think that radisson is actually so underrated like a phenomenal breakfast like fresh breads fresh jams like delicious butter like gorgeous fruits that had been freshly sliced that day watermelon mango pineapple like they had lovely like freshly squeezed juices they had like regular juices they had just a nice hotel breakfast and for the meat eaters i saw there was like bacon there was chicken there was salamis i saw there was eggs you know like really like just a really solid good breakfast so you know imagine my surprise and my disappointment when i go down in the first on the first morning to go down for breakfast and i get there and all they have one they've got literally no vegan friendly thing the only thing they have is like they've got like these cartons of almond milk that you can have with like these overly sweet cheap cereals but there's nothing else there's literally nothing else you can just have bread or basically cereal and then even for like the the regular diners people like you eat like you know regular food all they have is eggs so there's no chicken there's no bacon there's no salami there's nothing hot you know there's the breads aren't nice breads they're like these cheap muffins that you basically just heat up on one of those like it's not a toaster it's like you slice the bread you put it in and then it goes on a conveyor belt and comes out the other side i don't know what that officially is called and then the juice Oh, the juice is is definitely from concentrate like you press a button and basically mixes like juice powder and water and that's your orange juice so there's no fresh orange juice and there's just no redeeming quality about the breakfast honestly i feel sad i took a picture of it to send to my friends and it just looked like a sad sad breakfast so i was like even in bottom barrel hotels they usually have a hot breakfast, a decent breakfast. So I was like, why can't the Hilton, you know? Why can't the Hilton have a nice breakfast? Ugh, I could go on and on for, for years, but I don't want to create the wrong impression that I'm just grumpy about everything. Actually, no, I tell a lie. I've got two more things to say about this. Also, they have no kettle. So I don't know if it's like an American thing where there's no kettles, because it's honestly the first place I've ever been, any country I've ever been, where there's no kettle or other sort of like drinks making facilities in the hotel. So there's no, because there's no kettle in the room, every time you want a cup of tea, you want a cup of coffee, you want a water, you basically have to go downstairs to get your drinks, which is like just inconvenient. And then also finally, actually, no, not finally, I've got another point. Also when you log when you come into the room they've got like a big flat screen tv and it's got netflix and disney plus but for you to actually use the netflix and the disney plus you have to sign in using your own account but like 
what is the point of having those services there if I have to use my own account? Because then I have to remember that I need to log out and I need to, I'm going to be worried that somebody has my login details if I forget. And then also, you might as well just provide that because why put it on the TV otherwise? And the final thing is that the fridge, they've got like a little mini fridge in here. And on the one hand, I thought, okay, well, that's thoughtful because, you know, because there's no restaurant downstairs, you have to basically buy your own food if you want to have snacks later on. So I was like, okay, that's thoughtful. But then I put my orange juice in there, I put my hummus in there, I put my, I got this great tzatziki dip, vegan tzatziki dip from Trader Joe's that I was really excited about to have. And I also got like two fruit pots of like, I think it was uh, cantaloupe and what was it? I think it was mango. Anyway, I woke up this morning and it's frozen because the fridge is way too cold. All this to say that, you know, I used to always think I'll give the Hilton just one more chance, one more chance, one more chance. But no, I'm done. I I think from this point forward, I'm just going to commit to the idea that I hate the Hilton. You know, I think they're trash. And next time I stay, I'm just going to specify like, please, anywhere else but the Hilton. So moving out of just straight up complaining, um, I'd like to go into the things that I didn't expect when I came to the US for the first time. So the first thing was that people are just regular sizes. Like, you know, when you consume information around, you know, growing obesity trends around the world, there's a, a few places that always stick out. One is South Africa that people don't expect. And then also the, the comparison of like, the, the biggest people in the world is basically usually the United States. So say they have the, it has like the highest obesity rates. And usually when they're comparing it to Britain, they say Britain is number two, I think. And which is not true, by the way, it's actually not true. I think South Africa ranks higher, but they always compare Britain and, and the U.S. And the U.S. is always like the basically the Britain's bigger cousin. So when I came to the United States, I just had that expectation. You know, I've been told, you know, like sitting on a bus, you're going to be squished by people, that people are just like big basically um and that's just not true and it's not true where i have been so i've been in washington for the past week i'm going to be here another week and people are just regular uk sizes like every now and again you get somebody who's like a little bit you know bigger but for the most part it's like on a part like you wouldn't say you wouldn't look around and say wow you know there's an epidemic of of junk food here or of people eating unwell or honestly it's just very very the same Another thing I didn't expect was that it's really not hostile, you know? So when I got off the plane, I genuinely was expecting to see just like rednecks everywhere, KKK like symbols and like hidden symbols everywhere. And I was just like on guard to feel uncomfortable and to feel unsafe. And honestly, like, I haven't seen any of that, you know, I haven't come across any like weird stuff. I haven't come across people where I thought, oh my God, you know, they would kill me or they would do something. I haven't seen any of that. The only weird thing I've come across is on one of our first night, we went to a bar and I think it's a bar nearby. You know what? It's not even a bar. It's a restaurant. It's called um, Sense of Thai near One Loudon in Ashburn. And my friend was looking around talking about how the bar is really pretty. We're talking about how we can't, you know, can't believe we're in the U.S. because we've both never been. It's our first time. We're talking about how basically it feels like it's a set. Because when you've seen something through the TV for so many years, like when you're actually there in real life, it, it feels like you're in a film set. So when we're walking around, we're, we're sitting around just talking about that when she noticed a book on the, sh- on the bookshelf. And it was like this green book. And it said the negro directory something 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 and i i didn't have my glasses so i didn't really want to like read any further but my, i remember my friend white friend 
she was like, oh, that is so weird that it's there. Which, by the way, she probably shouldn't have told me that because why ruin my evening too, you know? But she pointed that out and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's kind of spoiled my mood. But honestly, that's the only thing that I saw. Because for me, you know, I've consumed a lot of American content on social media in the past. And obviously what you think about is you think about police brutality. You think about how you're going to see like redneck police officers are going to like look at you and stop you. You think about TSA agents who are going to be asking about, you know, why you're here, how long you're staying and just being very, very hostile. You're expecting like restaurant staff to like be just icky beneath the surface, you know. So that's that's what I expected. And honestly, that's just not you know i didn't expect that it would basically just be like england that people are kind of just like regular people like i didn't really see weird things i didn't feel unsafe at any point so far i didn't feel like i just didn't feel any of the things that i was expecting to feel so that's what i didn't expect i didn't expect to feel so comfortable basically also we came like my first experience with the police was i saw like a sheriff in the place that we're staying and my friend was like oh i'm gonna go take a picture my white friend and i was like oh okay well i'll just hang back here because obviously in my head i'm like i'm not gonna go and poke the beast you know i don't know what could happen in this situation so i hang back and she goes and t takes a photo of the car and then the guy kind of is like super friendly and he's smiling and then he's like oh by the way how come you wanted a picture is it because it's like law enforcement or is it because of the car and then she says no i've just never seen a sheriff and i've never seen a, a car like that and it's my first time in the u.s so he like totally got it and he was like he, he waved us off with a smile so that was my first experience and honestly i was kind of like obviously i was nervous but it was totally fine and also i didn't expect the cars to be so big like the sheriff car to be so big because in the uk we have like they're not shitty little cars because they're actually very very expensive cars but they're not impressive you're not going to stop and watch the only reason you would stop and watch is because they've got the blues and twos on and they're speeding around but you wouldn't stop just because the car itself it's so beautiful but this sheriff's car was like you could tell this county or this place just has money you know because the car like because obviously the public officer he's a public officer he's a government person if you think about it so it's weird that he's in such a snazzy car and i don't know what the car the car make was but it was like this white shiny massive car almost like the same height as me that's how big it was so i didn't expect that the sheriff was kind of like a minor celebrity he was like standing on the corner he was like you could just tell he was the man in charge he was in like a beautiful car you know people were kind of like nodding at him as they went by you know and in general you know he just wasn't a hostile figure that i you know i just didn't expect he would just be like a guy in a car doing a job who's kind of like you know like known to people or people notice him but i just didn't expect that he would just be he would kind of just fade into the background essentially and by the way you know when i'm in the uk i'm not scared of the police at all like i'm the first person to call the police if i need help like i will snitch um i'm not I'm not a fearful person the police. It's just obviously when you con when you consume American content, you are going to come across content that is that that shows you some of the bad things that the police does here. So I just wasn't expecting to feel so comfortable. And then the final thing is that I thought the vegan food here was actually really lacking. So I'm used to being in London and honestly like the vegan game is so strong in London that you become arrogant after a while. Like you can literally walk into a steakhouse and have the full expectation that they're going to have a couple of vegan options for you. So I was kind of disappointed, you know, the first time, even when I was on Uber Eats, I, you know, I looked at it just 
picked a few restaurants just randomly just expecting obviously there would be some options for me and honestly you had to go out of your way to find specifically vegan places and even the places that had vegan options it's not like they had like three four five six different options it was like they'd have like a couple of options and you'd have to make do or they'd have a vegetarian option and then you'd have to like take out the cheese and then just hope the rest of the ingredients were vegan friendly so yeah that was kind of you know especially because it's kind of like a wealthy area i just expected the vegan game to be more on point so that was kind of disappointing I will say though, all the vegan food that I did have like was the bomb. Like I've tried Thai food that was vegan. I've tried I've tried Mexican food. I've tried like it was Asian food, but I couldn't. It wasn't quite Indian food. But it was Indian esque food. I've tried like kind of like American burger chips. It's all been like really really good. I just wish there was like a few more options when you go out in general as I'm used to. So what are my key takeaways and why did I even decide to make an episode on this subject? And like I said at the top of the episode, honestly, like when you're when you identify as a liberal person and you've you're used to being in liberal circles and you're used to just like thinking that you're that you are the moral standard, and not to sound arrogant, but not to feel like you're the moral standard basically and other people need to catch up or other places need to catch up. You know, within that I had a certain viewpoint of the United States and honestly full on me because I thought that just because you consume media and the media tells you that that's how something is, that that is the way that something is. And obviously in other contexts, I know that not to be true. I, I understand that's not true. I call out the fact that that's not true. Like, for example, people have really negative perceptions of like what like holidaying or vacationing in African countries would be. It's usually much better than than vacationing in Western countries because one, their service is usually better because I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because the weather is better or people are more thankful of, of getting customers, but usually the service is better. Usually the food is better. No explanation needed. And also usually the space is bigger. Like Like what you forget about the UK is that homes and hotels and places in general are really 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 small so you can feel really really cramped whereas in african countries like places and it's actually very similar to the us places are just much bigger in general so you feel you get a lot more for your money in many ways so even though i knew that about in the african context i knew that people are prejudicial and that they have negative stereotypes about experiencing africanness in general i didn't realize that actually i had some of those same feelings when it comes to americanism and experiencing american culture and that obviously that's why before i came here i would have felt very confident to say to make certain bold like big and bold statements that in retrospect are very very silly statements to make because they lacked nuance and they lacked context and they lacked the proper caveats so it's taught me a little something about being so arrogant in your self-belief and thinking that you are the right moral compass or that you or that your standard of moralness if that's a word is the right standard so that's one of the amazing things about traveling in general because it's very difficult to kind of have or maintain a lot of those prejudices once you meet people and you're in environments that are literally challenging all those viewpoints and all those like held beliefs it's very difficult to maintain it in the face of those things so i'm really glad that i that i did come in the end because one 
it challenged those prejudices, but also it just made me less fearful in general. Like I had this perception that it was just a dangerous place, like with people who wield guns with police that just kill you for no reason, with racism hiding, you know, behind every establishment. And honestly, it's not like that. It's a lot more nuanced than I thought. And because I know that now, I'm going to extend grace to other people and other places and other environments where I've held beliefs that were basically kind of like rooted in 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 propaganda and in ignorance basically another takeaway is you know people say this all the time and it's absolutely so true like what you experience as a tourist is going to be wildly different to what you experience as somebody who lives here because obviously as a tourist you're probably going to be staying in a touristy place which means the way that people interact with you knowing that you're probably a tourist and you're in a tourist place is going to be very very different and also your perception of that place is obviously tainted by the fact that you're only there for a very short amount of time you're going to be interacting with people who are basically used to interacting with tourists and therefore they're going to treat you in a particular way and also it means that you're not going to have a long-term view of things because you only have like a week or two worth of experience and therefore it can be very tempting to sort of like you know make that two-week experience in a very particular context sort of some sort of uh, representative of the whole place and i think that's why people get annoyed and you know i wouldn't want to do that here you know i'm not saying all those other things aren't true it's just that you can't make that all it is to a place and the final takeaway i will say is this you know one of the things i really noticed about the u.s when i went especially when i did the touristy day was that just the grandness of the buildings and the monument so when i was standing in front of the, of the lincoln memorial I was just blown away by but just the sheer size of the statue where I just felt dwarfed by it. And then also the building in which the 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 monument is housed is just a grand building with huge pillars, you know, marble floors, like a huge place where you could run like it, you would get tired running from one side to the other. That's how big it is. And I also to a certain extent felt that way when I saw the MLK statue. I thought like I didn't expect it to be that big. I thought here it feels like they're telling us how great a man was just by how great the statue is and when i think about how i feel about as being an african woman living in the west and thinking about how i'll be when i eventually go back to living in, in an african country at some point i i'm going to take that away with me and remember that these monuments are so important because they signal to the population about their greatness as well so when you're looking at these great statues you can't help but connect to those statues as an american person and think that that is representative of me and that's representative of what my people have done and that's representative of what i can achieve as well so i'm going to take that away and, and remember how important art is in general and also just how important these monuments are you know they're not neutral or value-free or or purposeless no they serve a very very important function and they serve a function of reminding the people who walk past those statues or monuments or whatever it is how great that person was how great that country is and you know there's something to be learned about that and i'm definitely going to take that away and think about how i'm going to inject a little bit of that into my own life and with that, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you liked the episode, I would love it if you left me a review on either Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast. 
you can also email me actually at offlinethoughts.podcast at gmail.com. You know, I'd love to hear your opinions, your thoughts, and also just like what you thought about my first experience. If you've been to the U.S. before, if you're from the U.S., if you've experienced this sort of like prejudice that people have against your country and what you think about it. Um, Thank you so much and catch you in the next episode.